Welcome to Voices of Experience radio show and podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Voices of Experience podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts. No promotional fees have been paid to anyone appearing on Voices of Experience. Now, on with the show. When a flock of geese knocked out two engines on U.S. Airways Flight 1549 right after takeoff from LaGuardia Airport, who would you want in the cockpit? Captain Sully or a pilot on their maiden flight? If Captain Sully was your choice, then experience is important to you. And that's what Voices of Experience with Paul Casey is all about. People with experience in their chosen fields. A variety of topics are explored, including local and national public affairs, self-employment, travel, lifestyles, health and fitness, history, and adventure. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Voices of Experience is simulcast on AM 880 KIXI and 1150 AM KKNW on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Voices of Experience is also rebroadcast on Kixie Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. Welcome to Voices of Experience, a first live and direct from the Palm Springs recording studio in Palm Springs, California. Doesn't that sound official? It really does. Sounds like I know what I'm doing. You built we- that up like the um, the first satellite broadcast with Elvis Presley. Well, it's on that level. Boy, you know, <laughs> seriously. So, hi, Eric. Both Eric's. Welcome to both of you and joining the show today. You're coming. Or you're hearing this live and direct from Kixie AM 880, KKNW 1150 AM. And uh, also you can listen to it on a podcast anytime. And all you need to do is Google Voices of Experience, and then you will see it pop up one of the uh, top threads. And you can listen to every show going back four years. That'd be uh, pretty special. Yeah, and you know that audience to the podcast is just growing and growing. We really appreciate when people take time to download it, listen to it. And sure, they love it, but it's another step then to go and tell a friend you know, or a family member, hey, check this out. And we really do appreciate that because that's, how, that's what keeps this great show on the air. Right. Absolutely. So we'll keep that uh, in mind. We also have a Dr. Michael Greger today. He wrote a book called, get this one, How Not to Die. Okay. All right. I was very interested to call, but he did a spoiler alert. And he said, I don't mean you're not going to die. I said, okay. But he said, we're going to talk about foods that boost longevity and about uh, preserving your vision and all those sorts of things to have a high quality of life. So, uh, again, he wrote a book on that. Actually, it's a series of books. And we talked about, excuse me, his latest one today. Neil Peterson returns with meandering musings. Today, he talks about being ghosted. He didn't know that term until someone said, Neil, have you ever been ghosted? Okay. And then Neil said, I don't know what that means. He looked it up and he said, yes, I have been ghosted. And he talks about that today. Let's see what else. Voices of history today. There was a record-setting Super Bowl played in 1988. And that was today in 1988, as I mentioned. And uh, it was really some interesting things that resulted of that uh, Super Bowl. I'll just talk about that briefly. And William Boeing, he did something very dramatic in 1927 this week. And that's on a more local front. So let's see. What else do we have today? We have uh, Times Classic, The Rolling Stones, their number one hit of the 1980s. So we're going to be talking about that. Okay. But but first of all, we're going to have Sam Reed, the former Secretary of State, on the line. I called him actually this morning because I thought about Nancy Evans and her death uh, last week and how amazing person that is and now was married to Dan Evans, the former governor, the three-term former governor. And um, I thought it would be really good to hear because we definitely lost an icon and I certainly want to bring Sam in, talk about that. And he's so gracious to talk to us about that. So we're going to be talking to him in just a few moments about the late now Nancy Evans. 
Hello, Sam. Are you there? I sure am. Hi, Paul. Oh, good to hear from you. It's been a little while. We've uh, talked a lot about voting in this state, and you've educated us on that very much through the years. But today, I was very pleased that you were available to talk about really an icon in this state uh, by the name of Nancy Evans, uh, Governor Evans' wife. And, you know, I introduced her as that, but she was an amazing person in her own right. And so I know you were very close to Dan and Nancy Evans and still are to Dan. But anyhow, I would just wanted to talk to you about some of your memories of her and maybe some of your personal favorite memories. Well, Nancy Evans, really, I think uh, by consensus is viewed as the number one first lady or partner, because we've had a first gentleman in our state's history. She was a real mover and shaker in her own right. But she was here in the Capitol, and I was here the whole time. I worked for the governor for quite a few years. Uh, she was a leader in creating cultural organizations. I served with her on the board of Ballet Northwest, and she uh, was a real force. She helped create the Governor's Festival of the Arts. Uh, she helped form uh, you know, other social organizations. And then when they went back to Seattle, she ended up being a major mover up there and in terms of uh, the Cancer Alliance, uh, again, in terms of the arts and everything, and uh, uh, just really was, was an outstanding person, as you say, in her own right. Yeah, I met her several times, so I just, one of the things that always um, came to me about her was her tremendous sense of humor, and she always had this wonderful smile on her face. Uh, that's right. Uh when my wife heard that I was going to be doing this today, uh, she commented that how Nancy was always so warm and supportive. And very importantly, uh, she was very encouraging to her <laughs> as the spouse of an elected official and uh, you know, being, providing support, providing encouragement, providing advice. And, and Margie, viewed Nancy Evans as a true role model. It was kind of their support group together, huh? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, that's not easy, by the way. And, and of course, more significantly not easy when you're there in the governor's mansion and really in a fishbowl with young children. Yeah, I w I've told you the story once when... Uh, Governor Evans and Mark, his son, about 10 years old, came by my house when I was working for you in Olympia in the mid-70s as an intern, then got into the job of the Constitutional Convention, and his young kid was at my door, and uh, he said, uh, could you want to take the Daily Olympian? And I said, no, not really, thank you. And then I hear a voice, like five feet away, and you know Dan Evans' voice. You can really hear it just easy. I mean, it's very identifiable, right? And then you go, well, let's go, Mark. And I'm going, oh, good God. Is that the governor? Uh, and yeah, the sort of the story is I called the mansion the next night and said, hey, you know, Mark, I'm going to take that Daily Olympian. <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, they did an amazing job, really, of raising those boys in Olympia while he was governor. And, you know, that is so hard when, when uh, you're always being surrounded with people, the press corps is watching you. Uh, when they went to school, they had to have some security and everything, which may have stand out from the other kids, but they really did a superb job of raising them well, and they're just terrific men now. To me, they're the first family of the state since I've been around. That's been a while. I mean, they're number one to me in my mind, both Governor Evans and let's not forget, he's 98 years old now. That is correct. And uh, he's and saw, doing well. I saw the governor and Nancy a couple months ago at, a, at an event, and uh, they're doing really well. And she was just a ball of energy and uh, was so delighted to, uh, see me and everything and so it came as a shock when when she died 
Even though she's 90 years old, she's definitely fit the term of 90 years young because that's who she was. Any lasting yeah. legacy or anything before we go, Sam? Thank you so much for all this information. Well, one more thing, Paul, is, uh, uh, and this may be mentioned in your broadcast, but uh, the University of Washington honored her by creating the Nancy Bell Evans Center for Nonprofits and Philanthropy, which is a part of the, the Evans School. And I think she was richly deserving of that recognition. So thank you very much. Thanks for including me in your, your broadcast. Thank you, Sam. Really appreciate it. And we'll see you this spring. Okay. Bye, Paul. Bye now. So that's uh, Sam Reed, and he was a former Secretary of State in the state of Washington in his own right, too. An incredible man. Um, he was three terms, and he was a Secretary of State with the closest election, not only in the governor's history in Washington state, when he was mentioned Christine Gregoire, who won that election. I'm doing this by memory. That may be dangerous, but I'm going to say it was 117 votes that it was decided by. And Dan Evans and, well, excuse me, Sam Reed was the one officiating that. It was the pressure pack. You talk about pressure pack and someone who handled himself and the state in a very methodical way where everybody never made a charge that anybody stole the election. It was just happened to be a close election and the Democrat Christine Gregoire won. So anyhow, we are at uh, now coming to the point where we're going to shift a little bit and have an interview with a Dr. Michael Greger. And uh, he's going to be talking about, again, longevity and how you can live a higher quality life. We'll be back with that in just a few moments. So Dr. Michael Greger, he's the founding member of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. He's a physician and a recognized speaker on nutrition and a graduate of Cornell University and Tufts University School of Medicine. So I'll start with there and uh, get on with the interview I had just a couple weeks ago with Dr. Greger. And I wanted to start with this, the title of your book, How Not to Age. How did you come up with that? Yeah, it's uh, it's part of kind of the How Not To series, uh, but, you know, just as my book, uh, earlier book, How Not To Die, was not about living forever. It was not how to not die, uh, but rather how not to die, and prematurely in pain after long, chronic, disabling illness. And, you know, How Not To Age is a similar premise. The book is not about immortality, but rather how to age with grace and vitality rather than, you know, suffering from the ravages of infirmity and disease. I was looking at it, first of all, it's never seen a title like that. It's always so positive, how to live forever and all that type of stuff. <laughs> okay, we're not going to live forever, and you know, but you, how do you get there in a better way? And I think that's what you've yeah. done and accomplished that. What type of foods boost our longevity? Yeah, well, you know, based on studies of identical twins, only about 25% of the difference in lifespan between people is determined by genetics. So for what to do over the majority over which we may have some control, we can look to the blue zones, these areas of exceptional longevity around the world, where they all center their diets around whole plant foods. So uh, minimizing processed foods, meat, dairy, sugar, eggs, salt, while maximizing fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes like beans, chickpeas, chickpeas, and lentils, nuts and seeds, mushrooms, herbs, and spices. Basically, real food that grows out of the ground, those are our healthiest choices. We're not talking about a few years here, because I had um, Dan Butner on the radio show a couple oh. of years ago talking about yeah, this. Yeah. And uh, we're talking about a substantial amount of years that are added to people's lives who live in these blue zones. Absolutely. In fact, uh, those cleaning up their diet and lifestyle before age 50 they're 18 years um, up for grabs at age 50. It's more like uh, uh, 12 years. Um, but even as late as age 70, there's still a decade on the table based on simple, common sense lifestyle factors like not smoking, not being obese, regular exercise, more fruits and vegetables. And, you know, it's, it's never too late. What are some of these blue zones around the world? Where are these places located? Well, there's only one that survives to this day. So, I mean, historically, 
there were blue zones in the Mediterranean, Costa Rica, Okinawa, Japan, but unfortunately, um, there's been a westernization of their diets, and now they're eating like the rest of us and suffering from the same kind of diseases. But one survives to this day, and it's the red, white, and blue zone. That's the one United States blue zone in Loma Linda, California. These Seventh-day Adventists who have uh, religious beliefs that um, they believe their you know, body is a temple, and so they um, tend to have healthy lifestyle behaviors, including eating a diet centered around whole plant foods. They are the longest living, formally studied population in human history. Kidding me. Is that right? That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. No, it, one, no one, so Okinawa came in at number two, but this was back in the 50s. Wow, that's too bad. I mean, so now they're eating what we've been eating, the bad stuff, essentially, and they've been doing that for a while, and it shows. Yeah, in fact, there's been a big push for the Okinawans to start eating the Okinawan diet, too, as now they have the highest obesity rates um, in all of Japan. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. What is the single most important component of an anti-aging strategy? If you could pick out one okay. thing. Yeah, well, according to the Global Burden of Disease Study, this is the largest systemic analysis of risk factors in history. The number one cause of death in these United States is the American diet, uh, bumping tobacco to number two, cigarettes. Now only go about a half million Americans every year, whereas our diet kills many more. And they determined that the five worst things about our diet in terms of diminished life expectancy is, number one, not eating enough of these legumes like beans, Number two, not eating enough whole grains. Number three, not eating enough nuts. So three out of the top five are things we're actually not getting enough of. But then number four, we're eating too much meat. Number five, drinking too much soda. Tell us about your grandmother and how she impacted you in your career. Yeah, I was uh, I was just a kid when the doctors sent my grandma home in a wheelchair to die, basically. She was diagnosed with end-stage heart disease. She already had so many bypass surgery to basically run out of plumbing, confine the wheelchair, crushing chest pain. Her life was over at age 65. But then she heard about this guy, Nathan Pritikin, one of our early lifestyle medicine pioneers. And what happened next is actually detailed in Pritikin's biography. It talks about Frances Greger, my grandmother. They wheeled her in and she walked out. So she was given a medical death sentence at age 65. Thanks to a healthy diet, she went on to live another 31 years on this planet until age 96 to continue to enjoy her six grandkids, including me. So that's why I went into medicine, why I practiced lifestyle medicine, why I started the website nutritionfacts.org, why I wrote the book How Not to Die, and why 100% of the proceeds I get from all my books are all donated directly to charity. I just want to do for everyone's family what Pritikin did for my family. What uh, time frame was this about? So this is in the 70s. So this is in the 70s in Santa Barbara. He opened up a clinic, and she saw him on 60 Minutes, actually, um, where they did a profile on his uh, heart disease reversal clinic. We do hear a lot what you're saying over and over again, and, and I know there's new breakthroughs that you're talking about as well. But why don't people actually just absorb this information? Well, you know, I think about, you know, obesity, for example. You know, it's not so. It's not about willpower. Power. It's not some moral failing. The battle of the bulge is a battle against biology. I mean, we're living in this toxic food environment, drowning the sea of excess calories while being bombarded by ads for fast food and junk food. And becoming overweight is a normal, natural response to an abnormal, unnatural ubiquity of these sugary, fatty foods concentrated in calories. And so it's really about the environment we're being raised in, um, which is pushing us towards eating some of the least healthy foods. You also talk about preserving essential body functions like vision, circulation, and immunity. Let's start with vision. What can we do to improve our vision? The, the, the foremost common cause of vision loss, uh, macular degeneration, diabetic retinopathy, glaucoma, and cataracts, are, can all be um, uh, reduced with uh, dietary changes. Uh, most important is probably eating dark green leafy vegetables. These are the best sources of uh, these two compounds called lutein and, and zeaxanthin. Other healthy sources include uh, yellow corn, goji berries, and avocados, but they're really no match for dark green leafy vegetables. Good. I'll just cancel my appointment with the eye doctor on Friday since I no, uh, know, know what to do can. now. 
Well, you get the well. What you do, you go to the eye doctor and you find out what line on that so-called Snellen chart you can read, and it's shown that by eating these certain foods, you can actually improve your vision one or two lines just through dietary intervention. How about circulation? Yeah, so um, quitting smoking, lowering saturated fat intake, and eating more uh, plant-based diet in general can uh, improve what are called these endothelial progenitor cells. These are cells that regenerate the inner lining of our blood vessels, which are so important for keeping our blood flowing. Unfortunately, by age 10, nearly all children raised on a standard American diet already have the first stages of atherosclerosis, what are called fatty streaks within their artery walls. These turn into plaques in their 20s, get worse in their 30s, and then can start killing us off. The number one killer of men and women in the United States is is heart disease and so having like a normal quote-unquote normal cholesterol or normal blood pressure is still i mean you know in a society where it's normal to drop dead of a heart attack our number one killer is not such a good thing we don't want a normal cholesterol we want an ideal cholesterol the final one immunity to diseases i imagine critically important weight loss appears to improve immune function exercise alone can improve vaccine efficiency and reduce the risk of getting upper respiratory tract infections. Uh, sleep deprivation can weaken our immune response to vaccination, make us significantly more susceptible to infection. Um, but even just adding a few servings of fruits and vegetables to our daily diet have been shown to improve the efficacy of uh, pneumonia vaccination in older adults. It's something that all um, uh, men and women at age 65 are recommended to get. Okay, got a lot of information. Anything else before we go? Oh, uh, just, uh, you know, the, really the good news, that we have tremendous power over our health, destiny, and longevity, and that the vast majority of premature death and disability is preventable with a healthy enough diet and lifestyle. And here with the new year, this is a perfect time to take control of your own health and your family's health. Well, there you go. That's Dr. Uh, Michael Greger. And again, he's the founding member of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And uh, again, a series of books like How Not to Die and How Not to Die Cookbook and How Not to Diet. But his latest book is How Not to Age. All you need to do is Google Dr. Greger and you can find all the books and the information that he's been involved with. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's Dr. Greger, G-R-E-G-E-R. Welcome to today's Voices of History. The Japanese have accepted fully the surrender terms of the United Nations. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of the Second World War. We are down. We copy you down, Eagle. So, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. So there you go. We don't have anything as dramatic that I'm going to talk about today, voices in history, as you just heard. But today, what occurred on January 31st, 1988, in San Diego, Doug Williams of the Washington Redskins, now, of course, the Washington Commanders, becomes the first African-American quarterback to play in a Super Bowl, number one, and scoring four of Washington's first five touchdowns with an upset victory over Denver Broncos 42 to 10 and this goes back to a record that was set by Joe Montana he beat that record that uh, was played in Super Bowl 19 so that was a pretty big deal and to me it's amazing to think that it took the 1988 to have a first African-American quarterback playing in the Super Bowl isn't that pretty crazy? It is uh, crazy. You know, I remember watching that game and really rooting for him because of that fact. They'd really talked about the significance of it prior to the game and leading up to it as they talk about everything. Um, but uh, the reaction, too, when he was done, he was just so humble about it all. You know, I mean, he was, of course, excited. But it wasn't it wasn't this thing of year after year, look, look at how great I am. I mean, he just he did his job. He, he played amazing. And uh, he set records. I mean, it was just great. Um, yeah, it, I remember that game, too. Yeah. And today, it's commonplace, thank goodness. You know, the, it, all positions are played by pretty much everybody, you know. So it's, it's great. It's still amazing to contemplate that, uh, you know, that's when we come. I watched Bill Maher last week. I'm a big fan of his. But he talked about historical events 
And there's this feeling around that no progress has been made. And essentially, we look at something like that and we have to say, take our victories, not ours, but people have made a lot of strides. Yeah. We have to be cognizant of that. We can't be so pessimistic that things can't be done because historically, there has been a lot of progress made in this country. We've got a long ways to go, but we have to really respect that these people who did do a lot of things are really helping us out today. Absolutely. It seems like those achievements are almost like a, you know, they talk about, uh, well, you're kind of in this area of earthquake, right? Earthquake territory where it takes all these years of pressure, pressure, and then it breaks. And then a major event like that happens, you know? Right. Exactly right. On a more local level, we uh, just want to talk a little bit about um, William Boeing. This is interesting. William Boeing and the Boeing company needs a little good publicity right now, don't you think? So yeah. let's go back to the beginning here. Let's hear some good news. Yeah, about this. Unfortunately, this was a long time ago, but I don't mean to say that sarcastically because they've been a great company and going through some extremely difficult times. And I think we uh, that's fair. But after World War I ended, William Boeing and his partner, Eddie Hubbard, delivered America's first shipment of international airmail. And it came uh, to Seattle from Vancouver, BC. Hubbard next prevailed on Boeing to compete for the Chicago to San Francisco route, which they won. And it was a very lucrative contract. And they won it on January 28th, 1927. And that's uh, courtesy of historylink.com. And the information I had before um, came courtesy of history, the History Channel, this day in history. So we'll be back in just a moment with Neil Peterson and his musings. You have been listening to Voices of History. If you have historical events that you would like to share, call the Voices of Experience hotline at 425-653-1166. That's 425-653-1166. Getting ghosted. The other day I had a good friend call me to tell me that he had been ghosted. I said to him, I've heard the phrase before, but I'm not sure just what it means to be ghosted. Even though it was just a few days before Halloween, that was not what he was talking about. He told me that according to Samantha Burns, ghosting is when you go poof and literally disappear out of someone's life without a word or explanation. The Webster Dictionary definition is the act or practice of abruptly cutting off all contact with someone, such as a former romantic partner, usually without explanation, by no longer accepting or responding to phone calls, instant messages, etc. I say to my friend, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. You must feel terrible. It's one thing to be dumped, but it's another thing to be ghosted with no warning or explanation. The call from my friend got me thinking about whether I had ever ghosted another person. I sure hope that I have not. I just pray that I have not ghosted someone. Then I begin to replay in my mind whether I've ever been ghosted. As I think back on my life, I guess now that I think about it, I was ghosted one time several years ago. Back then, we did not call it being ghosted. But now that I think about it, I really got ghosted. Let me tell you the story. Years ago, I went to my local neighborhood grocery and wine store called Pete's to pick up a few items that I needed for dinner. As I was scanning my items in the checkout line, I noticed a woman facing me doing the same thing scanning her items on a register in the adjacent checkout line. I immediately did a second take. The woman I was looking at stopped me in my tracks. She was stunning. She was beautiful. She seemed warm, caring, and yet capable and confident. Without ever having seen her before, I was dumbstruck. I knew she was the one. I knew this without ever having had even one word of conversation with her, without knowing anything about her. To recall a line in the movie Sleepless in Seattle, it was like magic. 
I just instinctively extended my hand out across the machines and said to her, Hi, my name is Neil. She, to her credit, responded by extending her arm and hand back, shaking my hand, saying, Hi, my name is Jennifer. After we had both scanned our grocery items and bagged them, we both moved to the end of our checkout aisles, and I started a short conversation by saying, Do you live around here? She answered, Yes, I live on a houseboat. I quickly added, So do I. Then I added, It was nice to meet you. And Jennifer said, Yes, same here. And with that short exchange, we both left Pete's, headed our different ways. When I got back to my houseboat, I kicked myself for not asking for Jennifer's contact information. I did not ask for her phone number or her email address. I asked for nothing. I just realized that I had no way of contacting her, no way to ask her if she wanted to have a cup of coffee together. Egad, I can't believe I did not ask her. Holy cow. I say to myself, I need to find her, for she could be the one. So I started by going to my computer and searching for Jennifer and houseboats in Seattle. The search produced absolutely nothing. I started to think about how will I ever see her again. Since I met her at Pete's, I might be able to see her again in the store, I say to myself. So the next day, I go to Pete's three times. Normally, I would go to Pete's maybe twice a week. But now I will start going to Pete's three times every day picking up one item at a time, hoping that Jennifer is maybe shopping there at the same time. Be sure to subscribe to Meandering Musings wherever you get your favorite podcasts. For more about Neil Peterson and to read more Meandering Musings and travel essays, visit neilstrips.com. That's neilstrips.com. Like the podcast? Help us grow our listenership. Tell your friends about Meandering Musings and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. All right. Thank you for that, Eric. And I uh, just want to let the uh, listeners know what I've decided to do with Neil's Meanderings is to give a teaser to his podcast. So he is not through with his podcast and what happened to Jennifer. Yeah. So you're going to have to go to his podcast to hear what happened. You got this, you got me on this one, Paul. Getting me. I definitely yeah, I, I got to go there and find out now. Yep. Right. Find out what happened with Jennifer. Just look Absolutely. for the episode called Ghosted. That's it. Ghosting. Oh, there you go. Thank you, Eric. And uh, again, you can get it a number of different ways. And I just did meanderingmusings.net. And it was called up today and, uh, you know, Googling in that. So it works that way as well. And you can uh, find it out. So, yes, in suspense. I know what happened. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell. So um, let me see. We're moving into a, uh, another phase of the show right now. We wanted to talk, or we did talk last week, a little bit about Pete Carroll. And uh, we knew that he had, uh, well, let's say been, I guess, dismissed from his position. And now we do have a new head coach, Mike McDonald. But before we leave uh, Pete Carroll, I mean, Again, he was just a wonderful uh, individual, a human being, and that's why we all really respected him and, you know, really had a, a very deep affection for him. I, and I felt that way, too. But, Eric, you mentioned something that I'd like you to talk about a little bit, and that's that full-page ad that was taken out in the Seattle Times. Yeah, apparently a group of fans got together. I think it was around 300, and they pooled, I believe it was $9,000 to put this one day Sunday, of course, Sunday edition, I believe it was a two-page ad. I didn't actually see the ad. Did you happen to see it, Paul? I actually did. Okay. So was it two it was, pages or was it on one full page? Do you remember? I thought it was on one. Okay. I only had it on my iPhone, so I'm not sure of that, but I think it was a one page. But that sounds about right in terms of the cost. It's about $7,000 for a, a four-color ad, which it was. Yeah, And, you know, it's a simple message. It was just saying thank you for all the memories. Thank you for our first championship. That's huge. There's... I don't. What is there? Twelve teams that have never even uh, got a Super Bowl championship yet. So, um, you know, that's put us in a, into a nice club. And um, he really made it. Those were exciting years. You know, we we had a shot at really three Super Bowls if you look back at it. Um, between the uh, what was it? The uh, of course the last game with New England prior to that with the uh, 
the beast beast mode not being unleashed, right? Remember that at like right. the two sure. yard line, and Absolutely. then prior to that, Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, he wasn't there for Pittsburgh Steelers. That was under a different coach, but that was sort of the start of the excitement. And uh, hopefully, this new new guy can do a good job. I believe he's big on defense. Okay, well, that's guess where we have been a little weak the last three years, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but uh, anyhow, so hey, things change. Nothing's permanent. He's moving on. I think he's going to be just fine because on a personal level, that's the kind of way he is. I mm-hmm. think he'll bounce back and his next journey will be wonderful for him. And I do believe that that full-paged ad in the Seattle Times is more important and, and, and does more for him than that Super Bowl trophy. I mean, that came from the heart. And yeah. the other thing I read about that is the guy who organized it he didn't really know much about the media, and I believe he thought probably a full page ad was about five hundred dollars. And then yeah. he went, oh. yeah. and he went on his uh, GoFundMe site, and he then looked at maybe what he would raise, and he thought, well, we're not going to be able to afford this. By the end of the day, he had ten thousand dollars. Wow! For this ad, and they took the extra money that it came in and gave it to charity. Nice. But yeah, he had no idea. That something came from the grassroots and and was able to uh, get that and turn around in one day. That's that's how much you have a feeling towards Pete Carroll, I think. Yep, yep. Legend. So, um, yeah, anyhow, I wanted to uh, move into the next phase of the program and just talk about some fun facts. How would you like that for a little while? Sure, let's do it. And what your reaction is out there. How about this? This is pretty stunning. More people live in New York City than in 40 out of the 50 states. Did you know that, Eric? No, I didn't know that. How about you, Eric? It, it makes sense when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because there's, what, like 9 million people in New York, something like that? So, yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, just in the city. Jeez. We're not talking the state, right? Right. Just in the city. The word Pennsylvania is misspelled on the Liberty Bell. I did know that. That was like my and my wife for Christmas gave me the you had one job, it's a daily deal and it's a picture of right. someone who screwed up something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so he had that one job to just you get that to get the words right. And that's why they cracked it. Yeah. <laughs> it would take more than four hundred years to spend a night in all of the Las Vegas hotel rooms. Wow. That's a lot of lot of rooms. Get started, Eric. Yeah, right. I'd be out of money in like <laughs> you're halfway there, aren't you? <laughs> no, three quarters. Yeah, I got a lot of money down there. I don't know if this is true or not because we live in Seattle, but it says here in this fun facts that uh, Boston has the worst drivers and the nation's two the, of the nation's two hundred largest cities. Kansas City has the best drivers. No, that's not true. I've been to Boston. It is pretty bad. Hmm. And I do remember driving there, and it was, now that comes back to me, and I was so flustered, I, I just stopped in the street, not in the middle, but I pulled over and I said, my wife, Marty, you're driving. I, I couldn't do it. So, no, it is true. It is bad there. Yeah. Hard to drive with a lobster in your lap. Lobster in your lap. <laughs> or, or a cup of chowder. <laughs> back to New York. The Empire State Building has its own zip code. Wow. Interesting. I didn't know that. Eric, you didn't, Eric Ryder didn't know that either? No. Well, there I am. We stumped Eric Ryder. Yeah, so he's got four computer that. screens in front of him. He didn't know. <laughs> right. I could have go. He's, he's good at this stuff. Yeah. You're really good at this stuff. The Denver International Airport is twice the size of Manhattan. Dang. Wow. And, and invariably, your connecting flight is at the other end. Of course. <laughs> you got to take the subway. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's not like the New York subway. Yeah. But um, well, let me see what else. I think that's about it. Only one third of all $100 bills are actually inside the United States. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they're at, but they're not inside the United States. So I have one for you, you know? because you mentioned Boeing. And of course, we don't ever wish this on any airline. But the very first, when did the very first... Um, or actually, I'm going to rephrase this. Who was piloting the plane when the very first passenger died in an airplane crash? 
Um, oh, 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 what am I thinking? It was obviously commercial, right? Not necessarily, no. Uh, Wilbur okay. Wright? <laughs> Got it. Wil- Wilbur Wright in 1908 was uh, flying their plane, the Flyer, and 1908 Flyer, and a guy wire broke, caused the plane to crash. He survived, but he was severely injured, and uh, Lieutenant Thomas E. Selfridge, who was just along for the flight as a passenger, was fatally injured. Wow. Go, 1908. Good one, Eric. You're right, Eric is smart. You probably (laughs) mean, there you go. I mean, you knew Lord, I thought I had one on him. Yeah, you're you're (laughs) like, I'm with the guy that invented this. (laughs) I'm perfectly safe. I'm going to be fine, yeah. I uh, was going to guess Amelia Earhart. Mm. Because I don't know if she had a person in her plane. I think it was 38 when she went down, but I guess that wasn't commercial. But no, that would that no. But work. I believe we just found a... out about her plane's been yeah. kind of maybe uh, maybe found. Yeah, I think it took the so. Danish to find that. It's a bunch of Danish right. researchers. Yes, indeed. Um, let's see. Hey, Eric, could you play? And I'm talking writer the. Um, Timeless uh, air travel that I have and in, in, uh, that I gave to you, it's TT24 air sure. travel. Yeah, yeah. So, get that on of, I'm going to get some reaction to that. Speaking of air travel, yeah. Let's do yeah, it. here we go. It's a smooth What transition. was air travel like during the so-called golden age? I'll tell you in a moment. In 1955, passenger airplanes were powered by propellers. Jets were still a few years away. Travel by air was accessible, but only to the privileged few. There was plenty of leg room and not just in first class. The bubbly flowed, cigarettes lit up, all followed by an elegant meal served by female stewardesses. Men need not apply. Fast forward to today. Yes, passengers can be packed in like sardines, but it's faster, more affordable, and much safer than even walking. I'm Paul Casey with this edition of Time Traveler from VoicesOfExperience.com. Unless Wilbur Wright is your pilot, <laughs> then you're better off walking. Apparently. That's the asterisk there. <laughs> yes. So anyhow. Well, I like those little uh, time traveler episodes and going to develop more of them. I think there, there's some so many nuggets of history that's so interesting. And that was one of them. Let's move on to Peculiar Podcast. This is the show that Pat Cashman and Lisa Foster, they both... Um, air this and it's been going on for about 10 12 years i mean they've been doing this podcast every week and i just like to get a little nugget of theirs and play it when i have time and today we do so let's get this one this latest one this is just the joke that is played at the end of the show it's so dumb it's funny three middle-aged women died how do you like it so far okay and they and they all went to heaven As they reached the pearly gates, Angel Gabriel appeared and welcomed them. You will have a great time here, said Gabriel. Just ensure one thing. Never step on any of the ducks. The three women said, what? Never step on any of the ducks. Okay, so the three women entered the gates of heaven and they saw at once what angel gabriel was referring to because everywhere in heaven walking around there were ducks what yeah all over the place (laughs) the next day one of the middle-aged women stepped on a duck oh no and it was an accident but before she could say anything angel gabriel appeared with the ugliest man it's a guy that would never listen to this podcast he was so ugly Angel and I've Gabriel. probably gone. I've probably gone out with him. Angel Gabriel. Uh, no. No. So he appears with the ugliest man that this unfortunate woman had ever seen, and Gabriel said, "I told you not to step on a duck, and your punishment is to be chained to this very ugly man forever." Oh, oh no. Yeah, it's terrible. Oh isn't it? no. Yeah. A week later, another of the middle-aged women accidentally, you know what, stepped on a duck. Immediately, yeah, Angel Gabriel appeared again at her side with another really bad-looking dude and said... Worse than the first one? Oh, yeah. Twice as ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Twice as ugly? Yeah, twice. Uh, They did actually did a scientific measurement. And uh, I don't know how they do it, but they're pretty accurate. Wow, and that's, Gabriel that's said, a shame. 
I told you not to step on a duck. Your punishment is to be chained to this very ugly man forever. Well, Lisa, the third middle-aged woman was so traumatized by this that she took great care not to step on any ducks. And then after three months, the angel Gabriel turned up with this really handsome-looking guy. I mean, the closest comparison I could make is Vince Werner, the aforementioned... I was just going to say that. That's the first image that came into my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And she was so traumatized that she couldn't believe this guy's just a stud. Big pecs, oil body, um, muscles like mine. I mean, really built. (laughs) And and a full head of hair. And the woman asked Angel Gabriel, Am I going to be chained to this man forever? Angel Gabriel said, Yes, you are. Because he stepped on a duck. That was awesome. Way to wrap the year, Pat. I'm very proud of you. Oh, those guys quack me up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Only from Pat Cashman and, of course, Lisa Foster. And that's Peculiar Podcast. That is the most well-named podcast ever in the history of any naming because that's what it is. And uh, as you know, Pat Cashman of Almost Live fame uh, is been doing this I say for a long time and it's very interesting and it's, it's a, just a lot of fun and kind of quirky but just google peculiar podcast and you can get in on the fun <laughs> so we are kind of running out of time right now we're hitting um, a point where uh, what else can we say about what's going on let's mention one thing and that's the uh, relationship possibility between the Tacoma Rainiers and also uh, Kixie. Yeah. There's something going on which uh, would be a possibility where there's some uh, unification. I don't know. I'm beating there's around the bush. There's but something I'll brewing. There's something, something brewing. Something brewing. And that's what not I a micro brew. This is a macro brew. This is huge. Right. And so uh, I can't wait to give all the details because I think the audience is going to love it, Paul. Yeah, I do too. So that will be coming up shortly. So I think we're kind of running out of time now, and uh, let's see. It's been uh, fun doing the broadcast and uh, with you guys today, but we are out of time. So any comments that you've heard about what you heard today, you can call the Voices of Experience hotline at 425-653-1166. That's 425-653-1166. Next week, we have a Jane Bulware, and she wrote a book called Worthy. And it's from cornfields to the corner office at Microsoft. I talked to her quite a bit in the background of doing this interview. She's a very interesting person. She's from the Midwest. That's where she grew up. But pretty remarkable story. And then um, also want to uh, thank today uh, Dr. Gregor for being here. And uh, next week, we're going to... Talk about following your passion in business. Is that a good thing? Think about that next week. Yes or no? The whole thing that says follow your passion and the money will follow. Is that true? What's Voices of Experience about? We talk about public affairs, travel, fitness, education, history, current events, thrown in with some comedy and entrepreneurship. We air at 3 o'clock p.m. on Kixie. You probably know that if you're listening. And it's simulcast with Hubbard Sister Station, KKNW, 1150 a.m., and Voices of Experience is rebroadcast on Kixie only on Sundays at 11 a.m. Thanks to everybody today. Quote of the week. Truth is the most valuable asset we have. Let's accommodate it. Mark Twain. Timeless Classic coming up next. Again, this group's, this song was Rolling Stone's top song of the 1980s. This will only air entirely on Kixie partial on KKNW and on the podcast because of licensing rights, you won't hear it. Have a great rest of the week. And thanks guys. 